0: good morning i 'm Pastor Allen. I tried to greet most of you as you were coming in. Um, I do have an announcement, Justin great job, but uh, we are planning our finally planning our mission construction trip to Cleveland uh, It's going to come up here in about three weeks. Um, we had a meeting between services if you 're in this service and have interest in going with us, please either contact me or write it on your on your card. Uh, pray for us as we make those preparations and go. <clears throat> We're in a series uh, called Too Good to Be True, Grace Too Good to Be True. No, it's actually true. And we've been at it now, I don't know, about eight weeks, I think. And we started a week ago with this topic, our first week, uh, how to connect with God. We talked about salvation isn't based on my performance. That's the way we think if if I do more good things than bad things, God will accept me. No, 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 no. We can't do enough good things. But, It is based on his promise. If we'll accept his gift of a relationship of salvation, then we can receive it. And then a couple weeks ago we talked about I'm not okay, meaning I mess up. Um, I don't treat God as good as I should. I don't put as much time and energy into that effort at times. But that can be okay because God's grace makes me okay. God loves me accepts me unconditionally, doesn't change. Then we talked about offering grace. We're recipients of grace. We need to offer grace. And if you struggle with that, we use the word forgiveness. If you struggle with offering forgiveness, it's probably because you don't feel forgiven by God. Because the more you feel forgiven, the more you want to forgive. And we we shared a story about that, that Jesus uh, told. And then then last week, we talked about those times when we drift away from God, we step away from God, we move away from God, uh, what happens? And we said, no matter how far you step away from God, it's always only one step back to God. And again, that's because of his grace. <clears throat> so we've got a new topic today, a really important topic. I'm calling it transforming grace. I want to start with telling you a, a true story. It happened about uh, 200 years ago. Hi by the name of Nikolai Nicola, uh, uh, Paganini. If some of you are musicians, you probably know of him. He was probably the most famous violinist of all time. He, he was able to play things nobody else could play. <clears throat> became very famous. Actually, uh, as I was studying this week, I found that he became the, the, the most wealthy musician in his day. He lived in Italy and traveled around Europe. And he would do concerts, and one day he was doing a concert before a packed house. and had a complete orchestra behind him. He's playing one piece after another. He finally gets to the final piece, the, uh, the masterpiece, the concerto, to end the concert. And as he's playing, one of the strings break on the violin. Violins have four strings, I believe. And one of the strings breaks, and what does he do? Well, he's a, he's a master. Uh, he's brilliant, so he begin, continues to play the piece without skipping a beat. On three strings. Believe it or not. A second string breaks. Now he's down to two strings. What do you do? Again. He's so gifted. He continues to play. This is the most difficult piece. Uh, on two strings. And. Would you know it? A third string breaks. Down to one string. And he continues to play. And as he finished the piece. The people stood. And applauded. And applauded. And applauded. Because of his, his brilliance. And at the applause ended. He held up his violin. He said. Paganini with one string. Now I tell you that story because he could have quit. He could say, oh no, a string is broken. I can't do this. But he wasn't stopped by difficulties, adverse circumstances in his life. <clears throat> it all comes down to attitude. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. First we want to talk about things that affect my attitude, but it really is things that potentially affect your attitude because they don't have to. Now, the first thing is Zig Ziglar calls stinking thinking. I like that phrase. How long does it take you to fall into stinking thinking? It's easy to do if you like watch the, listen to the news. And about all the terrible things happening. You know, I'm watching TV sometimes at 11 o'clock at night, and the first thing that happens after that is the news comes on. It's a DC channel, and it's usually about somebody got murdered. Well, that's really pleasant, right? You've got to sleep hearing that. So, how long does it take you or I to fall into stinking thinking, negative thinking? When we do, we lose. We're losers. We lose our momentum. We lose our. Uh, productivity we lose our energy we lose our giftedness what is the biggest factor to determine your and my attitude is what we input into our lives it's kind of like if you had a high performance sports car and you put regular gasoline in it you're not going to get the most production out of it you want to put high test gasoline in it same with our lives what are you putting in to your mind I like this old illustration, if, if I had a glass here with uh, vinegar in it, filled to the top with vinegar, and I was to bump into it, what would come out? Would nice sweet tasting tea come out? Or some of you like milk or soda, would that come out? Now if I bump a glass of vinegar, vinegar is going to come out, why? Because vinegar is what's inside. <laughs> You and all you and I do this all the time. It's called self-talk. You talk to yourself, actually in your mind, but you talk to yourself. It's automatic. You can't control. uh, You can decide, but you can't control the fact that you do it. So, what are you telling yourself? What are you thinking about? So that affects your attitude. The second thing that can affect your attitude is poison people. Now. All of us are affected by the people we hang out with. So if you hang around negative people, what are you going to become? You're going to become a negative person. Now, it works both ways. Some of you know my neighbor, Wally. He tends to be a negative person. And sometimes I'll hang out with him, spend time with him, and talk with him. Not so he makes me negative, that hopefully I can make him feel more positive. I'm not sure if I shared this story, but... Uh, for some of you who don't know Wally's our neighbor. He's like 78 years old. He's, very saint- uh, he's a very eccentric person. He's not a believer. And one day he said, I wish I would never never was born. Uh, my life, you know, basically I haven't, I haven't done anything well good in my life. And I said, Wally, <clears throat> you affected a lot of people. He said, No, I'm not affected anybody. And I said, Yes, you've affected me. It's important. <laughs> When we're around negative people, to try and be positive for them, but it's important also that we don't let them uh, drag us down. Most of you know we homeschool all four of our ki- children all the way through. One reason, not the biggest reason, if you don't homeschool, that's fine. It's not for everybody, is because we controlled the people they hung out with, at least until so they became teenagers. Uh, mostly hung out with us. <laughs> that's a good thing or bad thing, but they did. <clears throat> Most of you know about the geese that fly, well, they fly south in the winter and fly north in the spring, uh, and you know how they, they do it. They do it in this kind of V-shape. Now, why do they do that? Just to, to look cool? It looks kind of cool, but is that why they do it? No, uh, scientists, experts tell us. They do it because the goose behind another goose gets a 71% lift from the goose ahead of it. So it is lifted. They can fly 71% farther just because they fly in this V shape. So are you hanging out with people that are lifting your spirits or attitude or uh, dragging you down, poison people? The third one, this is kind of interesting to me, that can affect our attitudes, is the inevitables. And these are things like the weather. Are you one of these people, if it gets hot, you're going to, ah, it's a bad day. Or it gets cold, it's a bad day. If it rains, it's a bad day. Another thing is seasons. Some people say, oh no, fall's coming. Oh no, winter's coming. They're automatically a bad attitude because of the seasons. Other things that are inevitables are getting sick. I've been sick for the last two weeks. My wife is sick now. And and, uh, sickness is inevitable. You're not going to be well all the time. Uh, Is that going to cause you to have a bad attitude? Uh, Accidents. You know, I carpentry work sometimes hit my thumb with a hammer <laughs> is that going to ruin my attitude just because I hit my thumb with a hammer uh, the inevitables of life now, I like to look at the inevitables this way three things look at them as a reminder reminder that life is tough we live in a fallen world life's not easy life's not fair okay? and, and that's just a reminder it's not fair if you have bad weather but that's the reality right So it's a reminder. Secondly, it's an opportunity. Every inevitable is an opportunity to test your attitude, to test your growth, to test your maturity. Uh, Muscles don't grow without resistance. You and I don't mature without resistance. And thirdly, they're solvable. Whatever it is, it's solvable. You just wait a while, the weather changes, right? Uh, You hit your thumb, it heals. So, whatever these things are that potentially have a negative effect on our lives are soluble. Now, we're going to look at a passage of of the part of the Bible where a guy by the name of Paul wrote. And Paul had a really bad attitude, especially toward Jesus followers early in his life. He got them arrested and killed. He thought they were corrupting uh, Judaism. Then he had this dramatic encounter with God, became a Jesus follower and uh, we're going to look at something he wrote near the end of his life and if you read different accounts of his life he had a tough life a lot tougher life than you and I he was shipwrecked and stoned and lots of other things and we're going to look at something he wrote near the end of his life to a church that he helped start in Philippi and we're going to start with a verse in chapter 2 verse 5 and he says this you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had now, if you're not a Jesus follower here this morning, obviously you don't have to, but I, I think we can learn a lot from Jesus. Those of us that are Jesus followers, um, you must have this attitude. Now, obviously we have a choice. You know, I, I can say to, to you, 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 you must come to church next week. But have you come next week or not? I, I don't know. You still have a choice. But the, from my perspective, a good thing for you to do is to come to church next week Paul said, the good thing for you to do is have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And the next verse, he says one of the keys. He talks about he gave up his rights. Now, Jesus is God. He lived in heaven. He could have stayed in heaven. We don't know how fantastic that is, but he could have chosen to do that. But instead, he gave up that right to stay there and came down and hang out here with us. That was his choice. So anytime you and I cling to our rights, demand our rights, it's going to affect our attitude. You know, I deserve to get an A in, in school. Uh, some of you are teachers. You, you know, I deserve to have good students. You know, I deserve to have good employees. I deserve to have this. I, even worse, I deserve, it's my body, I deserve to have an abortion if I want to. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, even though I'm God, I came to serve. And so that was how he lived his life, by serving others. And Paul has given us this advice. He says, you want to have a, uh, uh, live the life the right way? Have the attitude of Jesus. Don't cling to your rights. Seek to serve instead of being served. Then we're going to skip down to near the end of the letter. <clears throat> and he says, now, this verse is, is, is significant to me because I preached my first sermon. I won't tell you how many years ago it was uh, from this, this text. This is my text, my first sermon. Always be full of joy in the Lord, and I say it again, rejoice. Now, what is Paul saying here? Is he saying, always be happy? And you know where he was when he wrote this? Who knows where he was? Somebody know. He was in prison and he wasn't going to get out in fact they was, best we can tell he was eventually executed All right? And he says always be full of joy now he's not saying always be happy that's two different things happiness is based on happenings so if you're in prison the logical thing is not to be happy unless you're crazy right so he wasn't happy but he was full of joy joy what in the Lord why or how because he knew that no matter what happens he's in the Lord. He's connected with God. In fact, earlier on he says to live is Christ, to die is gain. You know, it's kind of a win-win. So, what are you seeking? Are you seeking happiness? That's what most people are seeking, right? They just want life to be good, life to be easy, everything to go well. Are you seeking something deeper? Uh, the joy of the Lord. Something that You don't lose when the circumstances aren't aren't the best. So let's skip down a few verses. A lot of good stuff in this chapter, but we can't talk about it all. And then verse 8, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, that's other Jesus followers. But if you're not, again, we're glad you're here and good advice for everyone. Fix your thoughts on what? The lightning lose when they're talking about the latest murder in D.C.? Uh -uh Uh-uh-uh. It says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. The old computer adage is garbage in, garbage out thing. Right? You put garbage in, you're going to get garbage out. You can put garbage in your mind, you're going to get garbage out. So you and I need to examine what we're putting in here, right? Whether it's what we watch, what we listen to, what we read, people we hang out with, get a lot of negativity in. What are you going to get out? You get negativity out. So he's fix your thoughts on things that are excellent and things worthy of praise. Then he goes on. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. So at one time he was a wealthy person. Had everything that he, he could want. And other times in his life he had little or nothing. Now in prison, for example. But I've learned. Are you and I naturally content? Who's naturally content? How about your kids? Your kid's naturally content? Nobody's naturally content. They say, I've learned this. Meaning you and I can learn this. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with full stomach, empty, with plenty or little. My external circumstances aren't what determine my attitude. I've learned to be content. I can have the joy of the Lord. Things are going well. Things aren't going well. He focused on what he should do, not what he should have. Good advice for you and I. Focus on what we should do, not what we should have. And then a verse that's very familiar and misused, unfortunately. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So you can be a multi-billionaire, right? Is that what that verse is saying? Even more crazy. You can, go, you can climb up on the roof of this building and jump off and fly, right? Because you can do anything and everything through Christ who gives me strength. No, that's not what he said. He could have got out of prison, right? (laughs) I can get out of prison through Christ who gives me strength. No, I can stay in prison and have the joy of the Lord because he gives me the strength. God will give you the strength to do whatever he wants you to do. It's interesting. I was communicating with somebody that told me back that they were introvert like I am last week. And the only reason I stand up here every week and talk is because, as an introvert, I'd rather be sitting Is because of the strength of the Lord. Not as dramatic as Paul, but works for me. Then he goes on, finishes up the uh, the letter he wrote. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given us in Christ Jesus. Do you need to be a multi-billionaire? No, you don't. <laughs> okay, I'll answer the question for you. You don't need to. I don't need to. God doesn't say he's going to give you all your wants, does he? And some of us have lots of wants. The interesting thing, the older you get you want, I think, uh, mine do anyway, my wants just gets, get less because I guess most of that stuff either is unattainable or I don't think it has much value to me. Hopefully, that's a sign of maturity. God will give you what you need. Most of you know we went through a tough year last year with our daughter in law dying. He gave us what we need to get through that. Not happy, but still with the joy of the Lord. So, what are you wanting? Are you wanting an easy life? Or are you wanting what God wants? And then he finishes up with a good summary. Now, all glory to God, our Father, forever and ever. So, is a bad attitude give glory to God? I tell you, folks, the the best chance you have to, to give glory to God is when things aren't going well. Or even when you messed up. And when things are going well, anybody can do that. Let's summarize it this way. I can't always control what happens. In fact, most of the time, you can't control what happens. You can't control people. You can't control the weather. You can't control your employer. But I can control something. I can control my attitude about what happens. So let me give you four suggestions, helps, whatever, to have the right attitude. First, got to change your thinking. Got to transform it. That word in the Bible is the same, metamorphosis is the same word we use for caterpillars. You, know, you ever do that in your science class, eighth, tenth, my 10th grade biology class? It was for me anyway. I you know, put the ugly caterpillar in there and they are ugly. And a jar and then makes this cocoon and eventually what, what do you get? a beautiful butterfly. It's transformed. It's metamorphized. I guess that's a word. <laughs> metamorphized. Right. Something ugly and something beautiful. It reminds me of the story of this family from the third world country. They never seen modern conveniences and stores and stuff. And they went into a department store and they were amazed by the automatic doors. They didn't have to open the door. The door opened by itself. So the mom and one of the children go off and the dad and his son go up to this other door you push the button, it opened, people went in, it closed, and then it opened again, the people weren't there. And so they're watching this, and kind of amazed at this, and the boy's asking his dad, what is this? He said, I don't know. And then he sees this older lady walk into the elevator, we, call it, we know it's an elevator, walked into the elevator, pushed the button, doors close. he see some lights, cha- numbers change, elevator comes down, the door's open, there's this beautiful young woman there. And the guy says to his son, go get your mom. <laughs> well, that's a little shallow, but anyway. <laughs> Wouldn't it be wonderful if we just put something not so lovely into an elevator and it come out like a butterfly, right? <clears throat> so what comes out of you when you're shaking? What comes out of you when you're stuck in a traffic jam? See, the most limiting thing to you and I about our attitude is us. The way our think, thinking, our perspective. Henry Ford said this. Whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. Bad attitude is like a flat tire. Until you change it, you're not going anywhere. Your attitude is more important than circumstances, more important than your intelligence, more important than your money, more important than your skills. And Christian... Optimism, if you will, good attitude, is based on the knowledge that our God is a loving, caring God and he is in control. So change your thinking. Secondly, focus on others. Focus on others. Uh, Magazines have changed over the years. Used to be a popular magazine was Life magazine. Then it got to be People magazine, which is still pretty popular. And then I kind of whittled down to Us Magazine. Can't handle everybody. We'll just handle Us. And then magazine's called Self. Just focused on me. And if you read Self, you can learn some important stuff. Like, uh, did you know your hair has five enemies? It does. You want to know what they are? I can tell you. One is sun. Son. I try and stay inside. That's why I have such pretty hair. Uh, uh, secondly is heat. I don't use a blow dryer. Uh, third one is hard water. Unfortunately, my house has hard water. I can't, can't do anything about that one. Fourth one's pollution. We don't live in the city, so that's good. And the fifth one, I feel sorry for you if you got that, is called hair stress. I feel sorry for you if you have hair stress. But anyway, I still have all my hair. Hopefully, I don't have hair stress. Focus on us in our hair, instead of focusing on others. Um, school years just started for some folks this past week. we got school teachers, we got students in our, in our church. Um, some are starting this coming week. So I'm going to tell you a story about a school teacher, but I want to just stop a minute and pray for you parents also that have kids going to school. Father God, I thank you for the new school year and all that possibilities it brings. And school is work. It's work for teachers, it's work for Students, it's work for parents. And whether it's homeschooling or public school or private school, God, uh, the parents here have their, their kids where they think you want them to be. And we pray that they have a, a, a great year, a productive year, a year where they can also um, share Jesus a little bit. Uh, God, give them wisdom and patience and, and, and understanding. In it's your name we pray. Amen tell you a true story about a teacher named Miss, Miss Thompson. She taught fourth grade. And like all teachers, <clears throat> you know, they love all their students the same. But it's just naturally, some students are easier to like than others. And Miss Thompson had one little boy that was not so easy to like. His name was Teddy. And Teddy didn't come with his hair combed, and his clothes weren't ironed, and he didn't have a real jovial attitude. And Miss Thompson, like all teachers, had access to his records. So he went back and looked at his records and uh, first grade it says he's got good potential but his uh, things at home aren't very good. In second grade, uh, Teddy's getting behind. His mother's really sick. And then in third grade, uh, Teddy's mother died and, and Teddy's really struggling at school and he's not very happy most of the time. So Teddy's in Miss Thompson's class. It comes Christmas time and kids bring her presents. And Teddy brings one. Up. Most of the kids have nice wrapping, pre- nicely wrapped presents. And Teddy's present is, is just a paper bag with, with some scotch tape uh, for Miss Thompson, Eddie. And she opens her presents and then there's this old bracelet with some of the, some of the um, stones missing and some cheap perfume. And the kids start laughing. And Miss Thompson was wise enough to say, hey, hey, thank you, Teddy, for this beautiful bracelet and this nice uh, perfume. So all the kids leave, and Teddy hangs around and comes up to Ms. Thompson after class and says, "Miss Thompson, I'm glad you like my present. My mom's bracelet really looks nice on you, and you smell just like my mom. Well, that night, Ms. Thompson was transformed. She was changed. And she was committed to treating all the kids the same. By the end of the year, Teddy had caught up to the other students. And then he goes on and and she doesn't hear from him for years. I guess it's like eight years. And she gets a letter from Teddy and it says, Dear Miss Thompson, I just wanted you to know I graduated from high school second in my class. Thank you. Four years later, she gets another letter from Teddy. Dear Ms. Thompson, I just wanted you to know, college was tough, but I graduated first in my class, and I'm going to medical school. I don't know how long medical school <laughs> takes, but by the time medical school was over, she gets another for, letter from, from Teddy. Ms. Thompson, I just wanted you to know that I'm now Dr. Theodore whatever- and I'm going to get married in a month, and I would like you to come. My dad died. I'd like you to come and sit where my mom would sit, because I don't have any family. Ms. Thompson came and sat at, at, a, at a Teddy's wedding. This was a teacher that focused on others. As those of you who are teachers, I'm sure you do. Uh, came across this statement I think it's a good summary we make a living by what we get but we make a life by what we give and two others quickly um, develop new uh, develop new habits and I'm going to put this in three categories first memorize memorize positive stuff people say I can't memorize sure you can I grew up in the 60s listening to the Beatles I still know the words of Beatles songs 50 years later All right, some of you know sports statistics, but backwards and forwards. I don't think Justin's in here, but he probably knows a bunch about the Boston Red Sox and all those other teams in New England. You can memorize. So choose to memorize good stuff. Of course, if you're a Jesus follower, nothing better than the Bible. Things like, all things work together for good for those who love God. So no matter what's happening, it's not good, but it can work out for good. Again, because my God's in control. So memorize Secondly, personalize. And if you're getting, if we're going to use Bible verses, take some verse like John three sixteen for God so loved the world. Don't say God so loved the world. Say for God so loved me that He gave me his only son that I can have everlasting life. And then thirdly, analyze. Just analyze. And it's, the best way to, for me to do this is not ask the question why, because again, life's not fair. Not ask the question why, But what? What does God want me to to do? What does God want me to learn? What does God want me to change? So develop new habits. And lastly, never give up. Never give up. Maybe you feel like you're at the quitting point physically. You've got some kind of ailment and it won't go away and you just don't know if you can keep going. Maybe you feel like it's a quitting point at your job. You know, You work with a bunch of jerks, your boss is a jerk, I don't know. I just feel like, I I, I want to quit. Maybe, and hopefully not, you feel like you're at the quitting point in your marriage. You know, you've been arguing about the same thing year after year, and nothing changes, nothing gets better. Maybe you feel like you're at a quitting point as a parent. Unfortunately, most of us can't quit parenting. (laughs) But we feel like that sometimes. Maybe you feel like you're at the quitting point in, in, in ministry. And helping others, whether it's be a teacher or some ministry at the church, working with the preschoolers, whatever. Now honestly, what's easier? Keeping going or quitting? It's easier to quit, isn't it? It's easier to, to lead that spouse and to work for that marriage. It's easier to say, hey, I you know, let somebody else teach the preschoolers. That's easier. If you and I are going to have the right attitude, we have to have the attitude to never give up. And I want to end with a video story of one of my favorites. And uh, you'll see why. It's about the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona. About a semi-final of the 400 meters. And a, by, a guy by the name of Derek Redmond who was favored to least medal. So he would finish in this race so he could race in, in the final. you look in the records books, it says, under his name, race abandoned. It's not true, is it? One of the greatest misnomers in history. Probably no other semi-final race in Olympics is even remembered. If you go to this YouTube, over 12 million people have watched. I can't always control what happens, but I control my attitude about What happens? Let's pray. God, most of us aren't gonna have a dramatic experience like tearing a hamstring in an Olympic race. But life's tough for all of us. Help us understand that attitude is a big part what gets us through. And your transforming grace is available to get us through. Not just get us through, but to get us through victoriously. Get us through with joy. And God, I don't want to belittle anyone's situation here this morning. Some are probably in some tough places. My prayer for them is that they would Reach out to you, God, and for your grace to get them through. We want to pray for anyone here that's not a Jesus follower. Today would be the day we'd step across that line so you too could have joy in the midst of the biggest storm. God, we can't thank you enough for your amazing grace. Amen. Let us know what we can do for you or any decision you're making or any way we can help. Uh, Put that on your response connection card and they'll be collected in a few minutes. Thank you.